I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, driving passion for sport and communities throughout Ireland and abroad. We may not be able to get in on the sporting action like we're used to, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their second year as official car partner of the GAA, Renault is offering a range of special offers on their new and used vehicles, exclusive to all GAA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out renault.ie forward slash GAA to find out more. A grain, all right. A grain, all right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. And a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cloud milk to declare for at least a week. Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rousen, I'm joined here today by the Armagh footballer Oshin McCondell and by... Kieran Sheehan, who would have been playing for Cork footballers over the weekend were it not for uh, an injury. Will you make it back later this year, Kieran? Um, it's not looking likely at this stage, Kieran, Paul. It's, um, I suppose, the, the nature of, of this year and the, the shortness of the, of the season. It's, um, I, had a, I had a minor surgery uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, unfortunately, it's, it's ruling me out for probably the best of two months. So, um, look, in order to get it right and, and be back in good shape for next year, um, I kind of came to the decision there that you know I just I just manage it for now. Um, look again, I'm not not really though completely. Look, if if it was to improve in three, four, five weeks, a lot quicker than expected, then look, I'd have to think about it. But at the moment, I'm at the stage of you know ruling it out for, for the year so far. Yeah, we've many we've many things to talk about today, and it's all football, actual matches, matches that were played over the weekend. And the final round of decisive <laughs> matches in the league that are still to come. And we're going to look across all four divisions of the National Football League at who'll win the league and at relegation and at promotion. Ushin, um, you were away with Marty for the weekend. You were up at Monaghan Kerry on Saturday and Donegal Tyrone on, on Sunday. What was it like to to be in Inneskeen for, for Monaghan Kerry? Um, it, was, it was a little bit different, but... When the, when the actual ball was thrown in, it very, felt very much the same as what we've been watching for some time. Um, you know, just when you thought maybe there might be something a little bit different, uh, David Clifford gets the first ball in his hands, yeah. he turns on his left and he kicks it over the bar. And you think, as much as a lot of things have changed, a lot of things seem to be going to be the norm. Conor McMahon has come off the bench, given an exhibition, kicked five points as well. Um, so a lot of that stuff was same same, but I tell you what, the thing I was most impressed with was Kerry defensively, uh, how they got back in numbers, but just how quickly the transition. I think Gavin White at, at wing half back looks like something that uh, could be very very successful for them. Um, Jason Foley, I thought again he's somebody who's maturing into. Like I think I've always said that I, I as soon as I seen him at, at a minor and under twenty. 
I always thought that he was somebody who would fill that full full back berth that uh, that Kerry have been lacking. I think over the years, uh, Teg Morley again was strong, um, but I just thought defensively, you know, they got every single player behind the ball, including Clifford and Tony Brosnan, and and uh, they just look very very difficult to break down. Um, and you know, Monaghan played in the same way. Um, got a lot of players back behind the ball, everybody inside the 45. But Kerry was just a little bit cuter than them and they just were able to break them down a little bit more. It wasn't a massive amount between the teams. I, I tell you the truth, I, I couldn't believe how cohesive and, and how sharp players looked. And I know they're all coming off the back of uh, of club championships, but like I would know some of the Monaghan lads who probably haven't played maybe in five weeks now. I'm, that's po- probably not the case with the Kerry lads. They probably have had a little bit more club action, but um, a lot of those, a lot of the Monaghan guys might be finished playing at least four or five weeks, so they've had no football. So the, the game will definitely have done them no harm. But I imagine that both sidelines were just going, were just saying to themselves, "Let's get you know as much game time into into our um, our top men as we can." And uh, <clears throat> in that way, the vibe wasn't it didn't seem like do or day. Um, uh, it just seemed like, as I say, both teams were trying to get as much game time into the legs as possible. But I suppose the one thing I would take away from it was <clears throat> just how impressed I was with uh, with Kerry defensively. And you know, we I I said if they're going to come up against Dublin, that they would have to improve individually. Uh, either that or come up with some sort of system and it looks as if they went for the ladder and, and the system for them at the weekend uh, really, really worked for them and as I say, they looked very cohesive. They looked like a team that had worked worked on it. Uh, I think there will be, there's obviously going to be stiffer challenges for them um, <clears throat> but I just thought at the weekend that was the one thing that from a Kerry point of view I would have picked out. They looked bigger as well, didn't they? They looked physically like they'd matured a bit the, <clears throat> the, the, the extra year uh, they look physically stronger in 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 their body shape and in the running and the pace coming forward and the attack was excellent. But uh, I would say though, Monaghan Monaghan looked half a step off it. That kind of ferocity that you would normally associate with Monaghan intercounty teams that get that level just didn't seem to be there. And despite that, they had two great goal chances in the first half where they did get round Kerry. They had two great goal chances, and still at the end of the game, you know, we're high ball into the square, and Kerry are still relying on Tommy Walsh to pluck one out of the sky. So, I suppose that would be that would definitely be the worry. But Kerry also had a couple of very good get get edge chances, and uh, how Tony Brosnan put that ball over the bar, um, I'll I'll, I'll never figure out. It was very, very difficult skill uh, to kick to actually get it over the bar, and the one he hit the post, and you know, that's another opportunity where he. He should have been able to bag it, but um. So all in all, two top teams, you know. Um, and it was good. There was a decent pace to the game, uh. But Kerry, I've changed things about a little bit in that if you look at the forward line, there's a huge amount of pace in it. But also, like Ronan Buckley, like I, he was one that like I was scrambling, you know, before the game to find out who this lad was, and where he come out of, and and uh, I realised then that he was. Uh, uh, Peter Keane's I think he's from Peter Keane's own home club and you know what he did he he he, he did a, the sort of job that Paul Galvin maybe the likes of Paul Galvin would have done in the past he, he didn't he does, he's not you know he doesn't seem that dynamic he's not a player who looks to me as if he's going to get a load of scores but he worked hard 
and he sort of he uh, he was that first line of defence all the time. He he dropped back into the middle of the field a lot of the time. Uh, picked up a bit of break ball, and he might be. I don't know if 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 he's exactly the answer right now. I think he will take a, a little bit more time. But that's the sort of player I think that Kerry maybe have been missing is that somebody who's willing to to do something a little bit different, just that workhorse in that half four lane, uh, and, and that's what's. That's his job. That's what he's detailed to do, and that's what that's what's expected of him. And I think Kerry, with the five forwards they had, they had, uh, and Ronan Buckley, I think you know that's a good enough dynamic for me. In that you know, David Moore was was excellent in the game, but he doesn't look as if he has the legs. And O'Connor looks like the perfect foil for him. He he was I thought he was outstanding. He he was up and down the field. He looks very athletic. Uh, he's accurate when he when he gets on the ball, and defensively he's tigerous as well. So I think with those three, uh, sort of um, that sort of triangle around the middle of the field, that's something that could work. And if it's not Ronan Buckley, somebody of that ilk, you know that that's something that they need in that half forward line. Maybe we can't leave we can't leave in a scheme without talking about <clears> David Clifford. I, I watched it on on GA Go. This, I was a little bit late getting to it and just turned on to see the first left-footed point the block ball came to him beautifully struck shot and everything he did was was, was absolute class including his unselfishness the way he draws players to him three and four coming on and he always gives the ball on to the next person he looks yeah. like he just looks a class apart yeah no, and he draws the attention of two and three defenders all the time and he's very much aware of that and when, he, when that happens he's He's able to ship ship the ball on. There's other players who would try, you know, to try to get themselves out. That you know, everything revolves around me. That you know, I, I, this team is so reliant on me. But he trusts the individuals that's around him. Uh, the one thing uh, he shouldn't have done was he should never have passed that ball for the, it. Was a, a, the, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> he should have he should have buried in the net. But again, he's trying to do the right thing all the time and. Uh, you know his performance was absolutely outstanding, outstanding. And Conor Boyle was marking him, and, Con- and Conor Boyle is uh, Monan's best man marker. You know it's not too often anybody gets the better of Conor Boyle, and, uh, and 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 Clifford just looked to be at ease, and he looked as if he was playing in about fourth or fifth gear as well. Um, Kieran, by the sounds of that, it would seem to be an awful big ask uh, for Cork to play Kerry in the Munster semi-final um, in Parky Cueve, set for four o'clock on Sunday, the 8th of November. Is, would that be what you would take out of what Oshin has to say there? Yeah, look, I suppose it is It is a big ask. Um, Kerry clearly the, the in-farm team. Um, I did see that the highlights of the game myself and as Oshin touched on there, Kerry's defensive um, tactic and, and pressure seemed to be the thing that really stuck out to me. Um <coughs> But kind of delving a smaller into, you know, how they do that in relation to they almost invite the pressure um, within that scoring range and they press at the right time, which was seemed to be crucial. Um, you know, you saw from, from Donegal um, as well, that's their type of play, you know, where they invite that pressure to where, you know, teams are tempted to have a shot, but it's not quite within range. And they were just pressing at the right time. And then add into, I suppose, Peter Crowley coming back in from, from a long-term cruciate injury as well, gives, giving that bit of experience and stability there as well in the centre-back position. And then you have your, as, as O'Sheen said there, your, your two half-backs in Gavin White, Paul Murphy, just 
bursting down the field off the shoulder. Like, you know, it's it's the perfect it's the perfect mixture really between defensive and attacking play and launching that attack from turnovers, we'll say, on your own 45 and then getting the, the ball forward to the likes of David Clifford, um, who again, yeah, seemed to be remarkable at times there, um, you know, left and right. Um, he's a tall, strong, physical player. So look, um, certainly I think Cork will have their hands full. Um, like, uh, I suppose it's it's a Kerry team that are really kind of look like they're, they're chomping at the bit and ready to go, which, you know, I suppose it's surprising in a lot of ways considering the, the long break. Um, but they've clearly kept themselves in tune. And uh, look, uh, being, being a Cork man, I suppose it's, 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 exci- it's an exciting challenge for, for Cork and for Cork football um, in three weeks' time. But uh, it's certainly something that uh, I know all the lads will be looking forward to. And I think people in general will be looking forward to it even from, from a Kerry point of view as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be a big challenge. So did you, did you see... For those who don't know, Cork beat um, Loud in the Division 3 League to win Division 3 of the League, 519 to 16 points at the weekend. So, obviously, Cork had a, had a good start. Were you at that match? I wasn't at the game myself. Um, I watched it on, on Diego. Um, and, look, I thought it was uh, an interesting game to watch. It was, it was hard to take anything real, really concrete from it. Um, it was it was fairly one-sided. Loud actually got off to quite a good start, um, but as soon as Cork seemed to settle a small bit, um, I suppose our attacking threat really kind of came to the fore. Um, we had you know three goals got within the first twenty minutes. So um, look, I think it's um, I think there's there's a couple of things to take in that. Defensively, Cork will know themselves that they probably need to tighten up a touch. Um, like when you are playing the likes of Kerry, you know it, it's a, it's a huge step up. So um, I think, look, again, a game that's very hard to take anything from. Um, it was very one-sided. Loud ended up with, with 12 man, men on the pitch uh, at the end of the game. So, um, look, I think Cork will be happy that we're promoted. You know, you're out of Division 3, you're into Division 2, um, which, you know, is a step in the right direction. It was firmly on the, on the list to take off at the start of the year and um, we achieved that. So, look... Um, I think we look to next week and, and try and get as much preparation as we can. I think they look to tighten up that defence a bit more. Um, and I think they'll need that when, when it comes to facing Kerry in three weeks' time. So three weeks, to, three weeks to get ready for that. Everyone, though, I suppose, is looking longer term here. And it's the feeling is that it will be Dublin Kerry going head-to-head again later in the year if the championship continues. Uh, did, you see, uh, uh, did you see Dublin Mead? Did anyone watch Dublin Mead? Yeah, I watched it, yeah. Um, I didn't think uh, Dublin were were massively impressive. Uh, I was actually very impressed with Mead. Uh, Mead, I suppose it's the same story with Mead. I think just they're just they just need one or two more forwards, just that little bit of quality, just to finish those those opportunities and those chances. Uh, and that's a recurring team. So obviously those individuals are not there, or they'll be playing with Mead. And uh, that's the reason why they probably struggled. But uh, on the face of it, like when you think of where Meath were, you know, 18 months ago and where they are now, I I still think uh, the curve has been massively upward. I think Andy McAtee has done a good job with them. uh, But like they still are are lacking that just that one top-notch forward. And Shane Walsh is a a great player. I've seen him. Uh, at club level, and you know he's he's top class, uh, and again looked very very good at the weekend. He's only nineteen, lad. Like you know, I mean, it's a lot of pressure on his shoulders, but uh, 
but again, they just need maybe they just need that bolster a little bit, one or two more. It was interesting to watch Meath running through Dublin so often in the game and creating <coughs> so many chances for goals and points. They left a lot of scores. They lot of lot, got a lot, they left a lot of scores behind them. And when you add in the fact that Meath essentially gave Dublin a goal at the start of the match, it is. It was it was a really tight game. Now the feeling was I, I got the feeling watching it that Dublin would just kick on at any moment and when they wanted scores that they could get them. But Dublin have Dublin have things, albeit they didn't have James McCarthy playing. Brian Howard only came on late in the game. Paul Mannion didn't play. So they were short a few, but it looks like the panel is not nearly what it was. No, I would I would agree. I don't know what Kieran thinks, but I I would agree with that. I think that. Uh, they've t- taken a step back into the pack a little bit. Um, I still think, like yourself, that there's an, there's probably poss- po- probably a- another gear. Um, I just don't. I just haven't thought since since Desi has come in that uh, that that there's really been a cohesive way of playing, or or that they haven't seemed to change that much from before, and like. Anybody who thinks that under Jim Gavin, Dublin just turned up, played 15 against 15 and, and won one games, like a, it's mental. Like he didn't get the, the, the himself and his backroom team, they didn't get the, the plaudits that they probably deserve. So I think it's a work in progress with Desi Farrell, but I still think that they're going to have to be uh, pretty succinct about, you know, what their plans are for the future, how they're defending, because I don't think one on one, you know, if they go one on one against, against Kerry defending, the way they defended on uh, on Saturday night, I think Kerry would absolutely rip them apart. And I tell you another thing: I watched Donny Gall, and I think Donny Gall would do the exact same thing to them. So, uh, you know, the, the, they're going to have to come up with some sort of plan. You know, James McCarthy, you know, is a, is a key is a key player. No, he's only one player, but he is a key player to all that. And somebody who, who is able to drop back in there and, and cover the defence. There's a few. Uh, I would say there's a few of the Dublin defenders struggling a little bit at this stage, and uh, the, I suppose that the only com- crumbs of comfort. Well, not the only crumbs of comfort. <laughs> there were a the, few crumbs, are right? <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of crumbs. Um, but the, the crumbs of comfort is that I, I still, look, you know, this like I still can't see them being challenged. Okay, like if me keep on that upper curve, you know, and they get to a to a Lancer final, you know, it will be a tough Lancer final. But realistically. They're not going to be challenged until they play either um, Donegal or Tyrone in a in a in an All Ireland semi final probably. So they still have a little bit of time to walk on that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and they, they if you if you look at Dublin's discipline on their discipline, their tackling discipline, their the ball being brought forward, the ball being thrown up when they were when they were in possession. There was a there was a really interesting thing happened with about ten or twelve minutes left in the match. Paddy Small had a free about thirty five yards out to the right of the goals and he waited for someone to make a run for him and nobody made a run and he ended up just basically going okay I'm going to have a shot here but it was most un-Dublin like in terms of decision making in terms of how they're going to go and they it, the point is well made though it's going to be the end of November most likely before this they, they meet a significant challenge it will most likely be Mead possibly Kildare in the Leinster final and when they when they if if that's the way it transpires Croke Park is a bigger pitch than Parnell Park. You could see them getting after me a little bit more. But the inescapable sense is that they're not what they were. And that as well, like I think you mentioned a couple of key outs there, like, you know, uh, like the, uh, James McCarthy, Brian Howard coming on. Um, 
the likes of Paul Mannion. Um, these guys are in the top probably, you know, 20, 30 players in, in Ireland at the moment. Um, no, in saying that, uh, it certainly looks like they have a bit of a chink in the armour. Um, like, as O'Sheen said there, they're, they're probably coming back back to the pack. They're not quite in the pack yet. Um, it, it depends on how far ahead of the pack they actually were. But um, a good stint by, from, from what I saw over the last number of years. But um, I, I do think, um, and I would agree that, you know, the discipline issues, you know, a couple of incidents there where, you know, I think they conceded was an eight freeze um, in, in scoring range. Um, and a couple of times the balls brought forward. Things like you wouldn't normally associate Dublin with um, over the last number of years. They just have to be careful. And I think as a team, they would probably highlight that. But it's it's something that looks like it's creeping a small bit into the, the panel. And there's an also an argument to be said that they play on the edge and, and they have done over a number of years. And, and that did give them a competitive advantage at times. But um, What do you mean by that, Kieran? I think I think playing on the edge is you know almost going to the point of being very physical but disciplined in the tackle, controlled aggression, um, and they seem to have that in abundance. Um, and look, I suppose there's a lot of benefits from that. Um, firstly, getting the ref on side. Secondly, having the likes of Dean Rock who can convert frees from you know anywhere around the 50 yard mark in. So like you know they've they've played with that sort of abandonment, um, but. They certainly have to keep that in check. And I think it's a weapon that they've, they've had. The likes of Donegal have it. The likes of Tyrone seem to have it over years. They, they didn't have it as much yesterday now, but um, it's certainly something that they'd have to refine and, and keep in check in order to you know, maintain the status that they have. I want to turn to Sunday afternoon for a minute. Uh, I watched a lot of football on GAO over the weekend and it was all set to watch Offaly Tipperary on Sunday at uh, 2 o'clock and... Um, the stream for the first half didn't really work it was half time before it got sorted but it meant I got to watch Galway Mayo the first half of Galway Mayo which was a, a truly extraordinary half of football Mayo scoring 217 about 19 scores from 21 chances what a thing to say about a, a Mayo um, forward line and the logical extension of that is Galway were not just half a step off, they were two steps off. They didn't chase, they didn't tackle, they didn't really compete. And it was it was it was an, a kind of an extraordinary half of football. And and I have to say I didn't see it happening. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know where that came out of. I couldn't believe how poor, you know, Galway were. Defensively, Galway looked they looked looked absolutely awful. And they were, you know, two, three yards off the man. Um, and how easy you know Mayo were getting their scores. I don't think you know the Mayo forwards could believe that. And when they, when that started, you could see after ten minutes that they were growing in confidence. Yeah. You know, by the time uh, you know they were one ten to seven up. I mean, the, the, you know the goal, the, the heads were down, and just Mayo just kicked on from there. And the most surprising thing for me about all of that was okay, goal were poor, but in that situation, Mayo traditionally or least uh, recent history would tell you that Mayo will still find a way to make it hard for themselves to win that game but they didn't they kicked on and they put it to bed at half time and uh, that for me was the biggest thing that I would have taken out of the game just the rootlessness uh, that Mayo showed the new couple of new faces we've seen a couple of lads who 
I would have thought maybe we were struggling a little bit, but James Horn has, has kept faith with them. Uh, they played again yesterday, and I thought they were excellent. Again, you know, the caveat for all of this is how poor goal they were and how far off the pace they were. Um, how scathing uh, Park Judge was, you know, after the game of their performance, and, and rightly so. Um, but also, um, you know, that's the caveat with all this. But certainly, you know, if Mayo don't garner huge confidence from this, you know, they won't get they won't get confidence from anywhere. And like they have a massive game now in Castle Bar next week. That's before we even talk about them going into the championship. So. Uh, very timely uh, from a male point of view and uh, when you look at the teams who maybe have benefited from that a little bit of a break you're talking about the physique of players and how that has improved you know I've seen that with a lot of young male lads you know yesterday they look they look physically in better shape and I know when things are going great for you and yeah. you know you're on the front foot and all you, you look great and you look fit and you look all those sort of things but I just talk physically you just look that little bit bigger um, I thought they were very good in the tackle. Uh, the turnovers, you know, is something that probably, you know, a lot of people will look at that game and won't, they won't talk about. But the amount of turnovers they had, the amount of times, you know, they stripped uh, Galway of the ball and, and were able to go and punish them then. And it was, it, well, it, it brings, it brings Mayo back into the conversation. I've seen him Fitzmaurice, you know. You think so? Uh, well, I, I don't really think they were out of the conversation anyway because, you know, like, I still thought they had a great chance of coming out of Connacht even though Galway looked, with the time the league uh, went, when the time we had the break from the league, it looked as if Galway were flying. But Mayo will always be in that conversation in Connacht, obviously. I and mean, the very fact that it's straight knockout, you know, brings them back into the conversation because on a one-off game with Mayo, you just never know. What do you think of it, Kieran? Yeah, I'd have to agree with a lot of Oshin's points there. Um, I think I think next next week is a huge, huge game for him um, in order to back up um, last weekend's performance. Um, I think they were super impressive. That the first half was very, very impressive, and and Oshin highlighted there about the the younger players and players that are kind of newer to the squad that have really kind of started to blossom. Um, I think um, Connor Loftus, uh, Mark Moran. Um, Tommy Conroy, Tommy, or Tommy, 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 yeah, he was excellent. The ball, the ball uh, just but, stuck every time it went into him. It stuck, and he turned. It was most again. It was really interesting to see a Mayo forward doing that and keeping showing. Absolutely, and 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 all chipping in with scores. So the spread of scores across Mayo's team as well was huge. It wasn't just reliant on you know their their normal sharp shooters. Um, but I think what was very impressive about their attacking style was was the, the way they mixed it. Um, they tried a couple of high balls into Aidan O'Shea. Um, they gave that pop pass. They gave the, the, the attack from, we'll say, the half-back line again. Paddy Dirk and these lads, you know, going for a run. But they, they mixed it up really well, their transition forward. Um, and I thought that gave them a good attacking kind of platform. Um, and again, uh, sometimes, and it's often said that your best form, your best form of attack is your defence. Um, I thought they were, they were very tight back there. No, they did leak a couple of chances, but as as we said, the game was, was essentially over by halftime um, at that stage. So you give them a little bit of, of um, I suppose, grace around, you know, relaxing a small bit in that second half. But um, I thought all in all, very, very impressive and certainly, certainly people you couldn't rule out for, for, um, for contenders. Con- so, that's, a, that's a great point as well, Kieran. Like, Conor Loftus, like, I've seen him playing for four years now, bits and pieces. 
I never ever seen him as a midfielder, uh, and yes, I you. never thought that. I seen when he was when he was named as a midfielder, said, "Well, he's obviously not mm-hmm. going to play there." But he played the majority of the game there, and, I, and he was he was very very good at that in that position. And again, a player who physically has has used his time off by the looks of things really really well. I'd like to make a, I'd I'd like to make a case for Galway here. Galway came in with disrupted preparations. They lost Damien Comer and Johnny Dwan in the first 10 minutes. They clearly are moving. They obviously did, didn't want to lose to Mayo. It was a chance to put Mayo, basically to relegate Mayo, which would have, I'm sure, been of great pleasure to, 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 to Galway. But they're, they're looking. I would say that Parik Joyce now, who was clearly angry after the game, has a real, had a real good look at Mayo. He's had a look at his own team. He's got a stick to beat them with. It's the 15th of November for a Connacht football final. And I'll I predict an entirely different game. Well, it's one of those results that hurts today and might be hurts tomorrow, but might stand to them down the line. That's the only thing I'll say about that. But the manner of the defeat, is, for me, would still be worrying. And it wasn't even, you know, I didn't even think there was a kick and goal with the second half. Like, they think they got the first score of the second half and then after that. You know, just didn't. I just didn't think the reaction was there that you would you would like to see. But I completely, I completely agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be writing them off. I mean, like it's the first game. You know, they'll they'll, they'll be a little bit better next week. And as you say, by the time uh, the kind of final comes, I'm sure they'll be in a lot better shape. But still they didn't a, make a tackle, Oshie. They didn't make yeah. a tackle from the start of the game at least until halftime. They got a little bit better in the second half, but they didn't make a tackle and they didn't chase the runners. And I, I would say that if God would go back to that basic thing of taking that on it'll be a totally different pre- proposition and everything that Mayo tried worked for them yeah it's brilliant though because it makes for it makes for brilliant a brilliant kind of final hopefully if we get that I, 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 do, I do I do think that even and this is purely based off just looking from a, a holistic point of view when I was looking at Mayo's kickouts versus Galway's kickouts I also tend to look at the kickouts to see how organised teams are how structured they are and Mayo seemed to have a number of different plans and they, they tried a few different things that worked really well for them. And when you look at Galway, they just seem to have no answer. They couldn't, they seem to be defending one-on-one. They didn't realise that they needed to go into a zone and uh, that that would have might have prevented them. But every kick out Mayo kick, they won um, more or less from what I could see in that first half. Um, and from a Galway perspective, they just didn't have an answer, um, which to me seemed like strategically they weren't um, ready for, for that game um, at the weekend. No, that as I said, that's not to say that the wheels are completely off. I think they're I think they're a very good side when they're up and running. We've seen that in the league already so far. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what their response is next week. Yeah, yeah, Galway, Galway, Galway lost half their kickouts in the match, which is not a stat you see too too often um, anymore. Tyrone Donegal, the last of the Division Four matches, played. Oshin, you were up at that one. I was up at that one, and. Uh, if this game had to be played at the time of the original fixture, I think we would have seen a huge amount of shadow boxing, a lot of uh, you know teams not showing their hands. Yesterday, they had no choice. Uh, it felt like a championship match. The hits sounded like championship uh, intensity. Uh, there was just a real pace about the game from the first minute. Uh, Donegal were way better than what Tyrone were. Um, but, you know, you still look at Tyrone, you think... There's yeah. a huge amount, huge amount still to give there. 
huge amount of potential. Uh, maybe something similar to what Galway experienced yesterday, except uh, not just on the same scale, um, because the penalty really uh, flattered them. You know, at halftime, it kept them in a game that they that they weren't really in. Uh, Donegal were massively impressive. They hit the ground running. Looked so sharp, so so sharp. They probably of all the teams I've seen at the weekend. You know. Kerry, yes, but but Donegal even looked at that little bit sharp. Up front, have changed it. You know, Kieran was talking about how you know um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can't remember now which team you're on about it. But the team that was mixing it up, um, Mayo, you know, yeah. long long Mayo, ball, yeah. short Mayo, yeah, sorry, long ball, short ball, um, and they were able to do that. Murphy just did what Murphy does. He he, he drifted into full forward lane. Uh, they picked him out for a mark early on. You know, he uh, he was able to get out in the middle of the field. They brought Cale McGonagall into the middle of the field before the game started. Again, I didn't think he played in the middle of the field, but he played in the middle of the field. He was, he was absolutely outstanding. I know Ray McHugh got the man of the match after the game, but Cale McGonagall was absolutely outstanding. Um, and Q McFadden does what Q McFadden does as well. He just does his bit in the middle of the field. You know, he gets back in, he defends. Plays a little bit like the way Colin Cavanaugh would have played for for Tyrone over the years, but the way Donegal break, broke from from the fence, Neil O'Donnell, who has been a bit part player over the past couple of years, he huge talent is underage, obviously. Peter Mogan, uh, who scored a goal, amazing um, goal actually, amazing yeah, goal. Sidestep to set him now. set him free was superb. Brilliant goal, looks so dynamic. Uh, so direct in his running, but those two players made a hu- made a huge difference to them. Uh, they had a young lad, Jack McKelvey, played seven for them, and j- was just effective. Just did his job, ma- marked his man, but a, a really decent debut as well. Um, but Donegal lads, Donegal were, were very impressive. I don't know if it's uh, you know if you can say it's too early in the in the, in the fact that we have a condensed season. But talk about a team that hit the ground running. I mean, I, I, was, I was blown away by them, especially in the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. They looked so, so sharp yesterday. And yes, you know, similar to what we said about Kerry, didn't exactly blow Tyrone away. You know what I mean? Tyrone were always sort of in the game. And I suppose the one plus for, for Tyrone was McKenna, Conor McKenna, you know, back from Australia whenever he went into the full forward line. Uh he was blowing hard, lads, after, after 15 or 20 minutes. He probably said to himself, this is not the game I left uh, five or six years ago. It, it, the pace is is, uh, is a lot faster than what it was. Uh, but he hit Murphy one time. Murphy went th- down to the ground. Oh, it was a great ladder. It was yeah. a great ladder. Yeah. I, uh, I think he'd be pleased enough with that. But he would be the, the plus uh, from a Throne point of view. Throne still have a few players to come back. Peter Hart's obviously... Um, very important to them. A few others to come back there. They probably need a little bit more strength, I think, around the middle. And uh, you know, if they can do that, then you know, it's like the, the, the this will bear probably no reflection on what happens. You know, come championship. But Donegal lads were very, very impressive. Very so, impressive. Can we just talk about Conor McKenna coming back and blowing? Conor Glass came back and played for Derry. Yeah. On on Saturday against um, against uh, Longford, turned that game really pushed them on. Kieran, you're back from obviously back from Australia as well. W- what's the transition like for for somebody like Conor McKenna who comes back in and how do how 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 do you find it? Um, 
it's there's a lot of things to consider. Um, the likes of Conor McKenna is uh, he, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he's he's a guy that just nothing would bother him. Um, he he just and you can see it in the way he plays. You can see it in the way he played wrestling over in AFL. He just went for the ball, played his own way, did his own thing, and he just had so much natural ability that um, he just performed consistently week in, week out. Um, when when uh, I was actually, I had a conversation, because we, we would have met Connor a few times over in Australia, I had a conversation with my wife yesterday before the game. I said, Connor's playing. Uh, I said, how do you think he's going to get on? She said, ah, he'll fly it. Not a bother to him. And it, it, was, it was the answer I was kind of expecting, because Connor is the type of guy, he'll come back, he'll play. And as I said, blowing after 15 minutes, he'll launch himself into it. He might be blowing after 15 minutes, but he'll find his feet and he'll adapt and he'll start, you know, really show his talent again. So it, it seemed to be the way he played the game, actually. He kind of, you know, kind of came in, bursting onto the scene and kind of slowly made his way into the game. And as you said there, Oshin, that move into the forward line, I think benefited him, him in a massive way and benefited Tyrone in a massive way. Um, the transition can be difficult. Um, it's, it's a different running pattern. So it's different. It's more anaerobic than aerobic. Um, you know, there's a lot of sprinting versus a lot of kind of that longer kind of, you know, 85% running. Um, so it is certainly, it does take time to adapt. But in saying that, you know, you fall into inter-county thing now at the moment and the high performance and everything's through the roof. So in relation to getting back up to up, to, up on track with it, I don't think it would take long. But it's just, it seems to me that Connor's ball handling skills, everything was was very good. Um, Connor, Connor never stepped away from football, really. He had a football with him all the time over in Australia as well, so... And, and in terms of the setups, in terms of a setup of a of of an Australian rules team compared to a GA intercounty setup now, what are the distinctions, or is it broadly similar? Um, broadly similar. When you're when you're when you're, I, I found when you're in with intercounty teams for that, you know, the problem is you're there for two hours, maybe three hours, uh, and that's the only time you have. Um, but when you're there, you're there, you're in it. It's professional. Um, Everything, you know, is, is very, very in tune with the professional lifestyle. Um, the biggest, the only, and probably the most big, the, the biggest difference is um, time for recovery. Um, and your training levels increase off the back of recovery. So you can get more out of your body based off um, that time of not having to sit in an office or not having to, you know, be on your feet or even, even just sitting at home. Now at the moment, you know, working from home, your, your, your mind's constantly on it, you know, you're not getting the time to go to the ice baths, you're not getting the time to do an extra off-leg session, you know, during the day. Um, so things like that, they, they just seem to add up. Um, that seems to be the bit major difference, is just that time for recovery. Um, and obviously you have the, the added benefit of the, the facilities available to um, to a professional setup as well. And what about what about supports around medical supports? What about... Um, what about diet? We'll say is diet broadly, or is the advice broadly similar? Uh, what about social life around it? Is this is it the environmental stuff rather than just the stuff on the field? I, I, I think the diet and the medical is very, very similar. I don't think there's much of a difference there. Um, I, I think even the reporting now, you know, teams, uh, intercounty teams have apps where they report their, you know, how they're feeling that day, their general soreness, things like that. It's, it's all been done now. Um, what I would say is when you look at, um, we'd say the likes of, um, we'd say we go from, for, for Dublin, for example, um, in relation to the ability to, to constantly do it, um, um, 
it's 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 not feasible in in the fact that you're working um let's put it that way and that's 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 the crux of it um it's in terms of getting access to um you know during the day we might over in australia we might get five or six lads go down to the club do a ball session for you know a couple of hours uh, but at the same time you talk about socially you're able to spend that time with lads build a, a stronger connection a stronger bond where sometimes it's the case of, you know, in intercounty training, you're switched on to just football for that time. Um, and it's important, you can't underestimate the importance of spending time with your teammates outside of that environment. I think that goes a long, long way. Are your, were, they, were your teammates in Australia fitter than your ones here in Cork? Yes. Um, based, based off the game that was played and the demands that were there. Like in, in relation to, so you look at the, the case. And more skillful. Covered. Were they more skillful? Uh, I wouldn't say so, no. No, I would say a, a, a GA player versus uh, an AFL player. In, in saying that, there's there's a lot of different positions you can play. Um, like you look at, for example, I don't know if you know him, Eddie Betts, who's yeah. a small forward in Australia, who is extremely skillful. Um, but then you have your robust, like, key defender that would be like, you know, just punch the ball, just don't leave your man mark the ball. So there's so many different varieties of, an AFL footballer. Um, football GA at the moment is very much, you have to be skillful no matter where you're playing. Cornerback, you know, in goal, you know, all these different things. Like cornerbacks are scoring all the time now, for example. Um, you know, it, it's it's just... Uh, it's, I it's, would... dis- it's disgusting. It's a disgusting part of the game. <laughs> it's an outrage. <laughs> I think a lot of people would say that, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, look, I, I think the, the, the biggest difference there is the, is the time. And I think in terms of like the, the, the kilometers, the physicality, you're running, you know, probably 16 kilometers on average in an AFL game. You know, GA, you're probably in around that, depending on your position, but, you know, middle third, you're probably that 10, maybe 12K, you know, max. Um, so, again, it comes back to having, you know, all the high performance team being able to monitor guys individually, you know, and, and get the best out of them. If, 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 um, if we look at this weekend... If we look at what happened this weekend, then, uh, Oshin, am I taking it you're calling it for Donegal? <sighs> I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't really fancy calling everything just yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, it's important on the strength of a kind of 70 minutes of football after six months to rush to judgment here, uh, I think. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I have to say, lads, we're very impressive. When the boys come off the bench, they all, they all just, look, just look very cohesive. We're talking about cohesion that just look very cohesive and uh, I think, you know, Donegal are well up there when it comes to, you know, to be a challenger as far as Dublin is concerned. Like, if, if, if Dublin play Donegal in a, a in an All-Ireland semi-final, I mean, that's a game we we, we, we really want to see. Yeah, you want to see that one. You know, you know what's going to happen now, don't you? Tyrone will take Donegal out in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Something, but, but uh, yeah, no, over the weekend, I have to say, oh, of all the teams I've seen, I thought Donegal were the most impressive. Kieran? Yeah, like uh, what, what I noticed, Sushi, and you probably you noticed this a lot more being there, but when when Donegal, again, go back to attack, I feel like I'm, I'm talking about the attacking a lot, a lot today, but in relation to the getting to the 65 and really slowing the ball down, um, they seemed to go back an awful lot. They were kicking even back to their deepest player, and then they were kind of, you know, the, and then all of a sudden it was like bang, and they attack and they, you know, have. You know, Mark or Ryan McHugh just off the shoulder, um, things like that. It seemed like they were, again, you talk about cohesion, 
but they were they seemed very well gelled and knew exactly what they needed to do and when they needed to do it. Um, and the likes of like you know Murphy, you know slipping out, you know playing on the forty five, you know just getting on the ball a bit. Um, but they seem to then you know have their real pacey guys inside full forward. So they're mixing it between you know having your big strong full forward versus having two real quick guys inside. And then they were utilizing that. And I don't know that Tyrone adapts to that well enough. You know, they were doing a lot of changing. Um, but I thought I thought Donegal looked super impressive from just watching on TV as well. I thought they looked very structured, very organized, very hard to break down. And then on the attack, just looked ferocious. I just, like, Donegal are the most patient team you'll ever watch. To, to the point of complete frustration when you're watching it. Because, uh, you know, like Tyrone on a couple of occasions were trying to be as patient as Donegal were, but there was one individual like McCurry a couple of times and, uh, you know, they have to come off the shoulder and they have to have that shot when the shot wasn't really on. Donegal will wait and they'll wait and they'll wait and they'll wait. And anybody who watched Donegal club football will know that these boys are programmed because they're doing this week in, week out because Donegal football is played, club football is played in the exact same way. And uh, they just wait and wait and wait. 17 hand passes uh, at one stage. Now O'Donnell gets put through and he kicks a point from the edge of the D with every single throne player behind the ball. So there's one thing about getting players behind the ball, but you Kieran, you're right. They just they just know when to pick when to pick the holes. They know you know there's a weak punt pass. And the one thing that they pick they used yesterday, I thought better than or they tried to use better than anybody uh, again that I seen at the weekend was the mark. So, you know, there's a lad, you know, at the point point of the pivot or 55 yards out, he's popping the ball into to a lad that's coming running out. And, uh, you know, that's something we're going to see more of from them. And I think, you know, Kevin McStay and, and Pat Blam mentioned it last night in League Sunday that um, teams were, were honing in a little bit more on the on the, on the the uh, attack of mark. And uh, definitely it's obvious that, that that's what Donegal had had done in their in their spare time over the last couple of months, and a game Kerry Donegal basically to decide the league. Kerry beat Donegal in the in the last round of league fixtures. Kerry's league, whether whether that's really obviously not what they're looking for in the longer span here. And if you're Donegal, you're playing Kerry next weekend. The following weekend it's Tyrone, and then Donegal are out. You're a weekend after weekend after weekend, and. It, it seems to me to be a massive ask for a team to come from that's the, of the the first round of the Ulster Football Championship the whole way through to win an Ireland. It seems to me that their break comes after the Ulster Championship. That's a lot of weekends to be out consecutively. It is, but I don't think they'll be massively perturbed by what happens in uh, you know in the Kerry game. I think uh, you know Donegal will feel as if they've done what they wanted to do now. And uh, they'll use that game whatever way they feel they want to use it. Um, we certainly won't want you know any players picking up any knocks, you know, because the, the following week is very important. But that's the conundrum for for managers now. I think I don't know what you guys think, but that's the conundrum. The conundrum is, you know, do I get seventy minutes more in the lads' legs, or you know, do I? Is it more important that he's that he's actually fit to play the game, that he's he's not injured? So that's the conundrum, and I think. Uh, Declan Bonner when he looks at it will sort of you know he'll try and create a happy medium there give boys a certain amount of time but also um, 
gives boys a certain amount of time, but also try and make sure that you know they're not talk, taking up any unnecessary knocks. Depends on the team, doesn't it? Like if you're Galway next weekend, you double, you're playing Dublin at home. You, you like Galway cannot do what, what they did again last weekend. It's a great match for them coming back. Dublin themselves will look have to look for a bit of form. <clears throat> Um, in that Monaghan have to beat Mead at home to to survive in 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 Division One, and then it's really it's Mayo v Tyrone in a shootout. For like it's a, that's a huge game now. Yeah, no, Tyrone could be in trouble because if you know if Monaghan do go ahead and beat, beat Mead, you know Tyrone need to get something out of that game in Castle Bar. So uh, just it just makes for you know what we've always said about the league, you know, right down to the to the death. It's 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 the competition that's providing huge entertainment. If we move to Division Two, uh, what happened to Armagh, Oshin? Can we skip the Division Two? Go to straight. <laughs> well, to I want to skip three. Division Three. <laughs> <laughs> we go straight to Division Four then. Yeah, yeah. Um, what happened, to Armagh? Armagh were completely control of the game. Just the same old failings, you know. Our, our tackling and our discipline in the tackle uh, is just not good enough. Uh, two penalties, unnecessary penalties given away. Uh, two stupid tackles. Um, and that's, you know, we're scoring more well out of the game when they got the first penalty. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I find it very difficult just to control games. You know, when, uh, when, when, they're, when they're ahead, when they um, have all the momentum, uh, it's so easy to break momentum against Arma. And, you know, the other night was a, again, inter. In, Interrupted preparation, all those sort of things, but still, you know, I thought Armagh for the first uh, twenty odd minutes looked very much in control of the game, looked very much in control of exactly what they were doing. But uh, I thought last, you know, as soon as we give away the first penalty, we looked like a team that were sort of uh, unaware of what was what was happening, and it was just so disappointing because again, I think it was a very winnable game for Armagh. And and again, you know, be careful what you wish for. I don't know if the best thing for this Armagh team is to go to Division One, but uh, I suppose we've been hovering around Division Three, Division Two the last couple of years, and I suppose it's time for these lads to test themselves against against the top teams. So that's the disappointing thing coming out of the other night. Luckily enough, you know, Kildare got the result against Cavan, so it's back in Armagh's hands. You can go to Clare next weekend, win the game, and 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 still go up, but. Uh, the other night was was disappointing, but you know I, I, I'm cautious not to be too, um, uh, you know, not to be too down on them because, like everybody else, you know, it's first game back, and you know there is going to be a little bit of a period of finding out. But you know, when I look at other teams and how they've hit the ground running, you know, that just really didn't happen for them. Uh, what do you think of them, Kieran? Did you see any of the Division Two matches? Did. I did. I watched. I watched uh, this game. Um, I thought yeah, Arma, as Oshin said, were, were very impressive in the first twenty minutes. Um, I thought their 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 second phase attack. So, by, what I mean by that is they were getting the ball to um, the D, but it was a hopping ball, um, and that next pass wasn't there. Um, now, in saying that, Ross Common set up really well there in relation to their defence, but. Um, it was just that second phase of attack that they were just lacking a small bit. Now, going back to the mark, the mark could take that out completely. So if they're hitting that man straight away, you know, they have the likes of Reno Neal and these lads who are, you know, very, very good footballers. Um, Clark, like they had, a lot of their points came from range in that first half. And I thought they were very impressive scores. 
which would tell you two things. One, that Roscommon were defending that danger zone very well, but two, that they have footballers that have the ability. So um, in looking at it, look, I thought Roscommon overall were, were very, very impressive. I thought their defence was excellent. I thought, you know, aside from, you know, Endless Smith, there was a couple of guys that, you know, stood out. Um, Keen McDowell, half forward, yeah. got, got through an awful lot of work. Um, Kieran Lennon looked lively inside for him. Um, so, like, uh, without the likes of, you know, everything on, like, Kyle Craig and Endless Smith, I thought they, they looked to other guys that really kind of stepped up. Um, but I thought it was a very impressive win. Created goal chances, goals win games, I suppose, and... Um, they, they certainly kind of took their chances when they when they presented themselves. Ross Common have been good though in 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 recent. They've been up in and out of Division One. They've won provincial championships. They've been in the Super Eights, and I know they're at the lower end of that that group. But they're one of those teams, a bit like Cavan, who moved between Division Division Two and Division One. And I saw it being pegged as a big surprise that. Ross Common beat Armagh. I didn't really see it as a surprise. Um, I thought I thought Armagh, I thought Armagh should have closed out the game, but but Ross Common are Ross Common are, are a decent side. And all told, it was a it was a poor day for Ulster Counties in Division Two. Kildare beating Cavan, Clare beating Fermanagh, and in the other, I suppose the Midlands Derby, Westmead, Westmead beating Leash. There's a lot of good work going on in Westmead football. Westmead have um, three or four schools who are really competitive in, in the A Championship in Leinster, Rochford Bridge. A big shout out to my little brother, John, who, who was the coach of the team, who won the, the Leinster Club Championship or the Leinster Schools Championship this year. They've produced good forwards uh, as well, Westmead. And um, they're, they've pushed up and they've, their first round of the Leinster Championship is against Dublin. And it leaves Leash in, in real danger of coming back down to, to Division 3. And and it means also Armagh have a problem because Armagh have to beat Clare to go up, and Clare might need a win against Armagh for them to survive. So that's a that's a pretty tough one. Yeah, Armagh will beat Clare. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Armagh has actually I've actually struggled with them over the last the last number. Very of years, lucky in the qualifiers two years yeah. ago, and also a league game and that was actually played in Newry. Uh, because Armagh had lost um, home advantage uh, last last minute goal. Armagh winning the game convincingly last minute goal and ended up getting a draw with Clare. And I think the previous season, Clare, I think it was another another draw. Actually, maybe Clare might one by a point. But just going back to the Roscommon thing, Roscommon started the started the league with a defeat and a draw. Do you know what I mean? And and the, the their yeah. powers of recovery since that uh, have been excellent. Westmeath. Uh, you know, like I don't know what it's what exactly it is about Westmead and Leash, but uh, I was expecting a little bit more from from Leash to be honest. You know, Leash have had some Jekyll and Hyde results. Um, you know, they beat Armagh comfortably uh, down in Leash, and and you know I expect them to go ahead and win yesterday. But you're right about about Westmead, and I can't think of the school in Mullingar as well that Desi Dolan's in. But you know, they're another team that are that are. Um, that are competing at the top level, you know, at, at schools level, but uh, they've at Lone and Moat as well. They've good players around Kinney Gad. They've like there's, I, I think, and Westmead Jack Cooney, who was previously involved, he's the Westmead manager. He's a, just he's an excellent manager, and they've a really good, a really good setup. He'd previously been up with uh, with 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 Donegal. I think they get the most out of their players, and I I I they do it in a county where they they also have a serious 
attempt at producing a hurling team as well. It's uh, it's it's they're they're short of the quality to to survive in in Division One or even probably to get to Division One. But they're a really decent middle of the road Division Two team. Yeah, I think uh, I put them in the same category as as since Andy McAtee has taken over me, he's getting the most possible out of the players yeah. that he has. I feel. And I think, you know, Jack Cooney's doing the same thing with West. I mean, he's getting the most out of those players. And look, they have a couple of special players. I mean, like, I know when you when you, you pick off the team list, you look at Heslin, but there's a couple of other lads there, Martin, and a few other lads who, you know, who are... Yeah, Regan's a good footballer. Yeah, who, uh, these lads are, are quality, quality footballers. And when you have the nucleus of a good team that are uh, that seem to be all going in the one direction, it seems to be very cohesive. They know what they're about on the Cooney. Um, but also you have a couple of individuals that are able to produce uh, the goods up front. I mean, you know, that's a nice mix to have, but you're right. They're probably, you know, they are very much consolidated as a Division Two team now and probably just lack that that bit to make that further progress. We, um, If we look at Division Three for a second, you know, I know it's, um, it's, 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 you know, some of the weaker counties like Cork stuck in Division Three. And uh, why, why, how, how, how did that happen, Kieran? Um, well, I wasn't around for the last few years. That's how it happened, <laughs> is it? That's how it happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, to be honest with you, look, I think Cork has been in a, in a bit of a constant battle there over the last number of years. Like, it's, they showed huge improvement last year, you know, getting to the Super 8 and competing quite well. Um, I think, you know, it was a mix of, uh, I suppose, not the right talent coming through. Um, you know, Cork football probably suffered off the back of a lot of key guys um, leaving the, the squad at a moment in time. Um, so it's almost a case of rebuild. Um, I think that's not excusing some performances, but I, I, I do think now that the group that's there, I think there's definitely something building. Um, I think off the back of our under-20s winning the All-Ireland last year, our minors winning the All-Ireland, I think there's certainly a wave of, of good car talent on the way. Um, but at the moment, it's up to this current crop to to get Cork back to where where it needs to be, uh, and that's Division One football. Um, and look, it's step by step. Um, we're up to Division Two now. I think we've uh, we should be competing with the teams in Division Two. Um, and look, our eyes would firmly be on a promotion to Division One. I, I don't think you can expect anything less from from Cork football. So um, yeah, look, it's it's it, it, the reality is. That's where we're at right now. Um, I think, as I said, there's plenty of talent coming through. I think we'll, a bold prediction, we'll be in Division 1 over the next number of years. Maybe. Oh, that's not years. a bold prediction. Next year <laughs> two, is a bold prediction. Two, two to three years. Yeah. Um, hopefully next year. And if, if most likely joined in promotion by Down, who got a walkover from Leitrim, who didn't uh, put a team up on, on, on Saturday. I saw Down earlier in the league against Offaly. And I thought they were, I thought they were very good. I thought they were cut above anything else that I've seen Offaly play against. I hadn't seen the Offaly Cork match, but I thought, I thought Down were very good. At Down play Loud, who look in a little bit of free fall at the moment. Loud went from four to three to two, and now look like they're going to go two three. Well, they are going to go two three four, uh, relegated already. But that last playoff place, it's Leitrim, Leitrim v Tipperary, which you'd fancy Tipperary to to come out of that one. But in, in that division, it means Derry stuck for another year in, in, in Division 3. Haven't, they had been in Division 4, but look like they're going to be, look like they'll fall short um, this year, which must be a big disappointment. 
yeah, like well, I, I, I played against played against Stone. I didn't actually play against Derry. I thought Stone were, were very impressive. Um, I thought Derry actually played quite well when we played against them. I thought they were set up quite well. Actually, set up better than Down on the day. Um, but it's disappointing. I like the last league game I I played against Derry was back in 2010. Um, and it was up in Celtic Park, and they had the the Bradley brothers, and you know they had a a very very strong team at the time. I remember we just got away with a point up there. Um, it was, I think it was a draw game, um, and it's a pity because you know you'd always look at Derry as you know a team that are absolutely competing, you know, at a, at a decent level. Like would always be a bit of a sticker. Or she knew no more than me here, but um, I know it was always hard going up to Derry or even Derry coming down. Um, in the league previously, um, look the likes of Conor Glass or Conor Glass coming back in now is um, is a big boost to them. Um, like they they have a couple of good um, underage teams that have performed well in the last few years as well. So um, yeah, it's it's it, it's very tough one for for them. Um, you'd expect them to be in a division above, I think. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I want to move. I managed to get out of Division Three without speaking about Offaly. Uh, so, um, and we're going to go straight to Division Four because the match, the first game in the weekend, streamed on GA Go, and it, it was actually it's it's really interesting to watch what happened in the weekend in terms of broadcasting. There were, there were matches on air, matches on TG Car, matches on RT Two, and the rest of the game is basically on 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 GA Go, and it it does seem that there's a new way the GA's broadcasting policy has been a little bit all over the place over the last eight or 10 years. It hasn't been clear what it's trying to do, but what this, what COVID has done, I think has created a, it's, it's accelerated this process towards the development of the GA's own app and the broadcast of its own games. Now there were hitches on certain games over the weekend, but broadly speaking, it was, it was a, a, an excellent, uh, it was an excellent service and how it's delivered and how it happens and how it's managed with cost and availability for people is going to be really interesting to see how it happens. And it's almost like what happened with the club games has now been carried forward and making division three and four games as well as one and two games available. No, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And it's a brilliant service. And you know what, you know, uh, the, the current situation we're in has accelerated all this and, and it will possibly continue to accelerate it and, you know, instead of negotiating TV deals in the future, you know, maybe the GA, you know, are thinking they may go it alone. Obviously, there's there's a long way to go before that happens. But um, you would think that, you know, this is exactly what people want, given their choice of games and being able to watch, you know, all those games. The amount of people who sat down and watched Gaelic games this weekend is phenomenal, not just in this country, but all over the world. And, you know, to have that interaction with people and just getting, you know, a few text messages from, you know, Australia and America and, you know, all over the place and just the, the, the brilliant facility that that is and how now we realise that we can bring it to a, such a wider audience and, uh, you know, the, as I say, the current situation has completely accelerated that, but hopefully it's something that uh, continues and hopefully it's something that... Um, you know, we can continue and still, you know, hope like the GA, like everybody else at this stage, needs to make a few quid. I mean, I paid 15 quid for United Newcastle the other night and it didn't look like money well spent with 82 <laughs> minutes on the clock, but uh, he got there in the end. But uh, 
15 quid, whereas, you know, you can get the, the, the Gaelic games, what, five or seven quid, something like that, depending on what division teams are in. And, and if, if you look at American sports, and generally speaking, those trends of American broadcasting sports coming to Ireland, the NBA app, the NFL app, the, the, the baseball app, they, they, you buy the facility to, what, to have complete access to that. And then the best games or targeted games are put on the networks for, 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 for television. And you can see the availability, then the spread of NBA all across the world, the second most popular sport in the world is basketball and the spread of the NBA app and the, and the manner in which it is used to, to spread the game is uh, it's, it's really, it's it, it really kind of set out a roadmap that other sports uh, look like they're going to follow. But if so, so the first game on the GAA go app this weekend was Wicklow v Antrim. Now the backstory for those people who are not fully uh, conversant with what was happening in division four is that Antrim were top of division four in their last league game before uh, the lockdown, they scored 227. They looked like they had finally put, you know, were building on the quality players they have. And there were a lot of quality footballers in Antrim, a lot of Sigerson Cup footballers and so on. And they go down to Ockram and they score seven points. But Wicklow score seven goals and 11 points. And they basically dismantled Antrim and it was done at halftime. Oshin, how can this, how can this happen to Antrim? How can Antrim still be stuck in, in this Division 4 rut, given, given the size of the place and given what they have? Uh, off the back of what was um, possibly the best Antrim football championship we've seen in 10 years, uh, probably the most competitive. Um, I spoke to Lenny Harbison a couple of weeks ago. I uh, was actually doing a, an interview uh, with him and uh, he spoke about, uh, you know, how it had been, you know, the lockdown w- was a was a positive for them in that, uh, you know, he'd seen a lot of a club action. Lads had got an opportunity to work on certain things. Uh, they were looking forward to getting lads back in. And I'm sure like the rest of us, he did not see this coming. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, he seen them from it because they realistically had things in their own hands. Um, you know, win their last two games and they go up. Their last game is Waterford, and that's a game that they would um, yeah. expect to win. Now, if, if results go uh, certain ways, they still have an opportunity going up, but most likely they won't. Uh, and you know, that's them stuck in Division Four. How is it happening? V- like the Casement Park issue is is it is, is a bigger issue than people realise because not only is it an issue for Ulster f- football uh, and Harlan, but also. Uh, from an answer point of view. I think it's very similar to what's happening in Louth. So if you look at Louth and you look at the stadium they have in Drogheda, it's the most outdated stadium in the country. Okay, They have nowhere for lads who want to aspire to play for the county to look and go, someday I want to play in there because that's not what they're saying. The same thing is going on, on in Antrim. Antrim need the same level of funding uh, and support that Dublin got when we were trying to get Dublin back to the top. Do you remember what the support that Dublin Harlan got? Antrim need that. They have that process has been started with Gale Fast. They've got a million pound. Personally speaking, I think they need a million pound over ten years. You know, and and you know that's something that will get them. They're they're underage structure. The schools we talk about schools in Westmead, okay? So, uh, you know, Antrim uh, in Antrim, you know, we've got some of the biggest schools. Uh, in the north, and none of them are competing heavily at at A level. 
You know what I mean? So they haven't won anything at A level in 12 or 15 years. Uh, so that's where your problem is. The problem is what's happening at underage, yes. Um, but also, I do believe that uh, Antrim are better than Division Four football. And when you consider, when I consider and I look at some of the players that they have, you know, you would expect them to, you know, have won that game at the weekend, won against Waterford, and you would expect them to be in the up. I don't know if they're if they're if they're if they're better in Division Three, if they can go another step. But but for now, I thought you know um, to get into Division Three would have been a major step forward for them. And this is some kick in the teeth because you know when I talked to Lenny Harbison about Championship, and I think I might have mentioned it actually last week. Uh, when I talked to him about Championship, he said, "Forget about Championship for us. The big games for us are the two league games that's left, and uh, that's where they were looking to." Um, and look, Andrew got a bit of a bounce from the Horlers yesterday as well, and he had mentioned that too. Like if if we were to go up and the Horlers were to go up and you know give, give a whole new outlook, and you know people would uh, buy into it a little bit more. But it's just a bit of a mess. I mean, you know, they're they're playing their home games, you know, on different pitches, and you know they just don't have somewhere to call home. And I still think, you know, that's still a major part of what they're going through. And they so for for Antrim to go up, they need to beat Waterford next weekend. They need Sligo to beat Limerick, and Limerick themselves had a had a rough enough um, weekend uh, this weekend. And then they also need Wexford and Wicklow not to, not to draw. So either a winner or loss. So it still is conceivable. It's not out of their hands, but it's a it's a really poor thing to go and play. <laughs> that remind, that reminds me of that dumb and dumb one. Yeah, so you think there's a chance? Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know if uh, if 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 it's possible. But I, one thing I'll be sure of is that they will be looking to bounce back, and whatever happens, results-wise, after that, you know, will will, will happen. The, the the leagues in general, the scoring was up. If you look at if you look at the scoring that's been up in in say in the soccer, you're talking about the the Premiership, Man United against. Um, Newcastle, where United played for ten minutes and scored three goals, and if you look at if you look at what's happening, no no nil all draws in the Premier League so far this year. You look at American football, and it's amazing the high scoring games that are that are going on. And now you come out yesterday, it was very high scoring across the league again yesterday. Is it is is it the fact that teams haven't had the same prep around defence that is opening things up here in in terms of broadly speaking in terms of football? I, I would say that it's a mix of, of both um, attack and defence, to be honest with you, Paul. Like, uh, when you think about it, um, you know, t- teams are going to have put different levels of, um, I suppose, they would have had different levels of meetings, um, strategy, stuff around, you know, how they want to play, how they can refine their defence, how they can refine their attack. Um, and it's impossible to know where everyone was at on Friday last week. So everyone's going to show up in a different way. Um, I think the, the, the teams that really performed clearly had a fair bit of work done over the time off. Um, the, like the, the likes of Donegal, who are traditionally very solid in defence, might have recognised their strengths there and thought, you know, how do we penetrate uh, from an attacking point of view a bit more? And they might have put an emphasis on that, but you know, when you look at the likes of, you know, Galway, for instance, like, you know, what went wrong? Um, was it a attack, defence, midfield? Was it the whole approach? Um, so, like, 
realistically, Galway would have been seen and in their games that they played in, in the league, they were very, very prominent in attack. Um, maybe, maybe it was a case of did they look enough at their defence in that time off? Um, is it something that is it? It's a hard thing to do because you're doing it on Zoom. You're doing it on Zoom. You're, you're you can't meet up. You can't be physically there. So it's a, it's a really hard one for, for teams, um, and it's a big challenge. But certainly teams would have got it right. Teams wouldn't have got it right. Um, and I think that's 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 probably my take on it. Um, and it was it was clear from the weekend's games, judging by the scores and the you know the goals that were scored that. Some teams just miss the beat in relation to whether it was kickouts, whether it was defence. Um, they certainly weren't ready for, I suppose, the, the flurry of, of Mayo, for example. Um, but uh, that, that would be my take on it. This, this step up from club to county, obviously people have come in from clubs. Everyone's been at the same level playing club football. It, for somebody who hasn't made the step up before, this is, is it easier to do it now, do you think? when everyone's coming back at the same time, like, are there people who stood out this weekend for you um, when for the, across these games who've, who hadn't been on your radar before? Absolutely. Um, like when you look at, like we mentioned a few names there, like, uh, and again, coming back to, I, I watched the Mayo Galway game quite closely. You come back to the likes of Mark Moore and, 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 and Conroy and these guys, um, you know, the, they were clearly operated like I think Mark Moran was at Westport up until the you know they were up until the semi final there and you're playing a, a decent level of football, um, you know a club level. It certainly it certainly impacts how you're on performing at county level. Um, the standard, the level you're playing at. You know you you teams that have junior A, you know senior inter county players playing at junior A level. Um, is that going to impact your ability to come back? And of course it is. Um, you're training at a higher standard. You know when you're playing with a senior club. Um, you you know, high performance staff. Some senior clubs are unbelievable. I know she you know all about it, but like you know, in terms of their preparation and everything, and it certainly would have an impact in the level of intensity coming back into the field. Oshin, anyone stand out for you? Any any new blood? Oh yeah, like obviously, uh, you know, Liam Rafferty uh, played cornerback with uh, with Tyrone. I know he's not a, he's not exactly new. He has he played a bit over the last yeah, number of years. Yeah. yeah, sort of in and out. But he was very impressive. Obviously, Bogan, uh, Jack McKelvey for for Donegal. Uh, Buckley was 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 impressive for me. Ronan Buckley, you know, playing with Kerry, uh, impressive in that you know he just did his job. You know, he didn't really stand out, but he was impressive in that that was obviously the job that he was detailed to do. Uh, young Andrew Woods, um, with Monaghan, uh, I'm managing Ennis I have seen him at club level, so, um, and he, he was impressive. Um, other than that, I mean, likes of, of Hayland playing with, with, uh, with Kildare, I mean, again, he's not new, but he, he's somebody who's sort of been dipping in and out of the team, but he looks as if. He kicked nine points at the weekend. He'd be a mainstay. Um, huge amount of freeze. I mean, I think Sam O'Roy uh, kicked 11 uh, nine yeah. freeze and two marks two. against against yeah. Lloyd. I, ha- I have Sam at the college in the dock, and you know he's exceptional. He's exceptional. He's out to win uh, his first county title with his club. So uh, the likes of those lads there, who probably you know what at Division Three level and and Lloyd going into Division Four. Um, probably flying under the radar but still exceptional footballers in their own right I think we've managed to get through this show without talking about 
what may or may not happen, whether the league will be finished, whether the championship will be finished. Uh, so I think it's as good a time to to end it as now as any without having capitulated to that uh, to that argument. So thanks a million for listening. And don't forget to tune in on Thursday for Anthony Daly and the lads who will be previewing the Hurling Championship. And thanks again to Renault for sponsoring the programme. Oshin and Kieran, thanks a million for uh, the show. Thanks, Paul. Great chat. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.